You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning. So my name is Gabe uh, Myers. I'm one of the pastors here. And a few months ago, I think you, I don't know if you remember, uh, we had a 40-year anniversary. You guys remember that? Well, uh, there was a little video that uh, we, several of the different pastors over time put together. And we were all given uh, one of the attributes of God to talk about uh, in our journey uh, in ministry. And during that time, I got to choose uh, one of the attributes, and the one that I chose was the Good Shepherd. And uh, so when they asked me if I'd consider speaking on John chapter 10, uh, the Good Shepherd, I was pretty excited. This is, um, it's a great passage. It's loaded. Then they gave me three minutes to do it on video. I have 35, so this is good. We'll try to stick to that. Uh, but before we begin, I just want to ask you a quick question. Um, oh, there it is. The Good Shepherd. That's what we're talking about today. The quick question is, what's a good thing that you like? You know, tell someone next to you, what's one good thing that you enjoy, that you like? Could be a song, a snack. I don't know. Okay. Since I have a huge screen up here and I have some time, I can tell you all the things I like and you have to listen to it. (laughs) This isn't mine. This is actually someone else's. But what about this? Diet Coke? How many Diet Cokers in here? Look at that. How many of you would have it for breakfast? Wow, we have one. One for breakfast. Did you know that? Sean Rowley? Diet Coke for breakfast. Uh, every Tuesday morning, that's what he get. He had one this morning. And he, I don't, it's weird, but that's what he likes. Um, and obviously there are other people. Look at that, okay? Um, uh, French fries. Where do you get your, the best fries? Where do you get those? Five guys. Five guys? Yeah. I heard McDonald's a few times. Should we do it by scream? Just kidding, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, I'm a McDonald's guy. My wife would probably disagree. She's over here somewhere. Uh, but... Uh, but have you ever tried yucca fries? Yes? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Someone's been to South America. Yeah. So um, to Mexicans, tortillas. To South Americans like me, Paraguay, Argentina, Brazil, yucca. And actually, we call it mandioca down there. I call it yucca because... That's what Mexicans call it, and I figured it might be easier for you to understand because you're closer to Mexico. I I don't know what I'm thinking. Uh, But uh, if you haven't tasted this, you've got to try it. Like a a third of South America, this is their staple food. And parts of Africa, like cassava is what they call it. Anyway, uh, mangoes. Oh, I love mangoes. Uh, Usually it's like I, I hate it or I like it. I'm in the like it side of things, but anyway, um, coffee, okay, I I knew that would hit a nerve, Uh, it's important, but we like good things, right, last Wednesday night, uh, I came in here to do a worship session, and uh, I happened to be out in the lobby, uh, just to practice, and we were in the lobby, and there was this lady out in the parking lot, and she was looking at the church, and taking pictures of the church, and I was like, what is she doing, it was raining, 
and she's out there taking pictures. I think, what is she, what is she doing? And finally, she, I didn't see her anymore, so I thought, I'm going to go see what she was looking at. So I run out there, and I turn around and look at the church, and it's like, and she got out of her car. She hadn't left yet, and I guess. And she got, she says, did you see the double rainbow? And so I looked up, and that was what I saw. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Um, absolutely beautiful. And I was just like, wow. Um, but it's moments like this where you're like, that is so good. Can you imagine the creator? And that's who we're talking about today. Yeah, it is. Yes. Um, yeah, but God is so good. And, uh, we're going to a passage today where one of the pictures that Jesus is going to use to talk about his goodness um, comes from cultural context back then that looked a little bit like this. Do you know what that is? Or that. Okay. Or. Yeah. And so in this one, you could probably fit one flock, right? In another one, it's a sheep's pen. Right? In this one, you could probably fit one, maybe two, if they're small. Uh, but in this one, you could probably fit a few. And so if you're taking your flock to Jerusalem, and you're a shepherd, and you have your flock, you'd get there, and you'd have to put your sheep in a pen. And you might mix them with other flocks. But then when you go to the gate, if you're a shepherd, you'd call your sheep, and your sheep would come to you, and you'd walk out and leave all the other sheep, all the other flocks there, and you'd walk out. This was just, uh, Israel is, is full of, this history of, of uh, shepherds and sheep. You go all the way back to Jacob, Israel, the name of the country. He was a shepherd. His 12 sons were shepherds. They were all shepherds. And you go to one of the greatest kings, David. He's a shepherd. And uh, this is a picture that Jesus is going to draw from to, to teach uh, them back then and teach us today. So here we go. John 10, 1 through 21, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Hmm. So that's our passage today. Um, the first thing just, just I, I want us to think about it is that he uses this analogy, this sheep pen metaphor, right? The sheep pen metaphor. It's like um, um, the picture of the sheep. It's, that's not the literal meaning. There's a meaning behind it. And the question is, what does it mean? What do these things actually refer to? And right away he starts out, and who is he talking to? He says, I tell you, Pharisees. So I'd like to invite you to uh, try to uh, put on your uh, Pharisee shoes on and, and listen to what he's saying through, uh, you know, as if you were one of them. Like, what would he be saying to you at first? You know, just, and, and who, who are you in the story? That's the question. So he goes on, you know, uh, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber, right? He goes on, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens a gate for him. Imagine being a Pharisee and listening to this, okay? Uh, and he goes on, uh, so the shepherd of the sheep enters through the gate, right? He goes on, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out, Okay, so a shepherd is going to, like the picture we talked about earlier, he leads the sheep out. He's calling the sheep. And uh, he, he goes on. He goes on ahead of them. Yeah, that's, that's typical of a shepherd. He would go ahead of the sheep, and the sheep would follow him because they know his voice. And so they're listening, wondering, huh, I wonder who, who the sheep are, who the shepherd is. Uh, but they will never follow a stranger. Who is that? In fact, they will run away from, his, from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Okay? Uh, he goes on, and, and verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. I wonder why. Who, and I think the question is who? <laughs> who... Um, do you think, and just a question, who do you think the Pharisees thought they were in the example? Okay, shepherds, probably. That's my, that'd be my guess. I'm listening, oh, Jesus is paying us a compliment. You know, or, or, or he's, or it's a story, maybe he's, maybe he's teaching us something, but uh, maybe they're, I, I would, I think they'd be identifying that way. But here's another question for you. Who would you be if Jesus was talking to you and this was a story about you? Who do you see yourself? Yeah, earlier in the service, someone came up to me and said, I identified as a sheep right away. Okay. Um, but I think the most important question is, who is Jesus in the story? And this is what they don't understand. Because all along, that's been the question and that is the, that is the debate. Who is he? In the last story, he heals a blind man. Is he from God? Is he not? 
And the blind man says, I don't know. I, don't, I, I know one thing. I was blind. I see. What are you going to do with that? Uh, that's what Matt brought us through last week. But um, if, if you want to be about, oh, and I love this because Jesus is going to answer. And by the way, in your notes, uh, it says point two, the good shepherd. I had to add in an extra point because I had this aha moment when I read this. And, uh, and here it goes. Here's the aha moment. Number two. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me just back up. They didn't understand. Do we? Are we beginning to understand what he's saying? And so who would you identify with? That, do we? And just, I, want, I want to invite you to just think this through, but also pray, Lord, help me understand this. Help me know where I am. Uh, right, Lord, please help us. So here we go. He goes on and he says, I am the gate of the sheep. I don't know if you heard that correctly. <laughs> who, who do the shepherds have to go through? So if the Pharisee identified himself as a shepherd, who is Jesus claiming to be? The gate. Jesus is saying, if you think you're a shepherd and you're shepherding the flock of Israel or you shepherd any flock, you want to know who I am? I am the gate. You have to go through me. You, go in, you can't go in and take care of the sheep without going through me. You can't take the sheep out without going through me. I am the gate of the sheep. That is a bold statement. That is above everything. You have to go through me. I am the gate. That is so bold, and that's what he's saying. And, and then he goes on in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. He's not just claiming to be a shepherd. He's claiming to be the way to salvation, the promise of God, like the, re, the redeeming salvation of God. This is who Jesus is. And so when he claims to be this, this gate, it's, a, it's quite, it's very, very bold. But it's interesting, he uses this example. In this version, it says gate. In another one, it says door. And it's something, you know, there are five right here, actually quite a few more. There are gates everywhere. We go in and out in buildings, in our homes, all the time through a door or a gate. It's something common, something right there. And it has a purpose, a gate, you know, go up to a gate, imagine you go up to a gate and you knock, you know, knock on the door, someone opens the door, you're like, okay, I did what I had to do. That was the purpose, to knock on the door. <laughs> no, the gate's meant to go through. You walk in to be in community with people. You walk out to go to work. You walk out to live life, to interact. It's something in and out all the time. And Jesus uses this example to say, this is who I am. I'm something we, we go in, in and out all the time. I am the gate. And I look at this shepherd. <laughs> He's got sheep back there. If he opens that gate, he can let them out. He gets to decide what goes in and out of the sheep pen. Jesus is saying, that's, that's who I am. I get, I'm the one who gets to decide what comes in or out of your life or what happens this is Jesus. Um, question for us, am I actively walking into God's presence, right, going into the sheep pen, but am I also walking into God's direction for my life when I walk out and I live life every day? Am I walking in the direction that he wants me to walk in? 
And Jesus is going to go on and he'll talk about the dangers of the flock, right? When you walk out or even in the pen, there are internal dangers. There is the danger of the thieves and robbers. They come, uh, he goes on, he says, they come to steal and destroy. But, but he's, this idea of, of, a, of a shepherd, and he's talking to the Pharisees, right? They would know this passage from the Old Testament, this warning to shepherds in Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Verse 4 says, you have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. So when you go back and and look at the context of Jesus' ministry years and how the Pharisees would treat a blind man or a lame guy who walks, or in last week's story, right, the the blind man gets kicked out of the synagogue. Why? Because he's healed and he's he's saying, I don't even know who Jesus is, but he's got to be from God. They're the ones that are supposed to be healing, mending, helping people. And here's Jesus, and he's like, this is the context is this is what God said about the shepherds of Israel. This is not something, not something new. Um, and and we, he goes on, he talks about the dangers. Uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The idea of these dangers, and later he's going to talk about wolves, Right? There are dangers internally that come in a deceptive way. And then there are dangers that are just out to just take you apart. It could be an illness, a disease. It could be someone who is just absolutely wicked and wants to destroy you. And that's, that is life. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We read this passage in in Psalm 23. We'll get to that in a minute. But then Jesus, after saying, I am the gate, he will go on to say, I am the good shepherd. And the descriptor starts out with good. And it's one thing to talk about good things like French fries or mangoes, right? But then I think sometimes I wonder, do we really know what is good? And oftentimes we don't. We chase what we think are good things. We chase them our way. And oftentimes they're false voices or, or we'll get to that in my personal story a little bit later, but we think about who Jesus is. He is the good shepherd. We read in Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He is with me in the trials, Right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. He doesn't necessarily take the trial away, but he's like, I'll be with you. I'll give you life to the full, even in the middle of it. And we'll see that a little later. Uh, He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You could be surrounded by trials and difficult times and yet experience joy and fullness of life in the midst of it. And that's that's what that psalm is saying. One of the other things Jesus says in this passage, um, I'm the good shepherd. He's going to repeat this phrase 
lays down his life for the sheep over and over again. But one of the things he already said is he, he knows his sheep by name. Right? If you think about that, I, I'm pretty bad with names. <laughs> you know, I, I'll come say, hi, what's your name? First thing I'll ask, what's your name? Three minutes later, I'm like, oh, what was the name again? And I'll have to ask, and I'm kind of embarrassed. Jesus knows you by name. You're not a number in a system. <laughs> you know, he doesn't need your social security to know who you are. <laughs> he, he knows you. He knows your name. He knows you, and he's an intimate God. He knows what you've experienced this week. He knows your thoughts. He knows the details of your life. He knows his sheep. He knows your hurts and your joys. He knows us. And that is amazing to think about, that he is the good shepherd who actually, he knows me, but then he, 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 he does what the Psalm 23 says. He takes me out and leads me, and he takes me to good places, to, to things that he knows are good and are best for me. He knows your name. Think about this idea here. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down. Look at how many times he says this. Okay, verse 14. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, right? Verse 14. I lay down my life for the sheep. He said it again. Um, for, uh, down 16. He talks about other sheep that are not from this pen, like a different flock that he's going to bring into this. I heard someone said they were aliens. I'm sorry. I don't think that's what we're talking about. Um, and then he says, they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Who is he talking about? I have other sheep that aren't from this pen. The gospel hadn't gone out to the Gentiles yet. He was talking about you and me. He's talking about bringing us in. In this passage, he's thinking about you and me. And he knows us by name. You know, look at the passages we've had before when he, you know, the blind man, he's walking through and everybody's ignoring this guy. And he <laughs> turns aside and walks up to this blind guy, he puts mud in his eyes. The guy doesn't even know, doesn't even see him yet. The guy walks away with mud in his eyes and, and washes it. Hadn't even seen Jesus, but Jesus took the time to recognize who he was, honor him. He's a nobody, right? For society, he's... he's um, a few weeks ago during the Easter weekend, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb and she's crying. She's frantic because the body of Jesus is gone. She sees this gardener. He, she starts begging the gardener, have you seen him? Do you know where they put his body? And the gardener says, ah, Mary. Says her name. She's the first one after the resurrection. And he just knows her. This is Jesus. He comes looking for us by name. He's, he's after us. He pursues us. And you think about this idea of laying down his life. In this passage, he says it again, right? Verse 17. I think it's at least four times he says it here. Maybe more. But he keeps repeating this idea. I, I, I lay down my life for the sheep. Think of that first picture or one of those first pictures where the shepherd is standing in the gate. And if, if a wolf's going to come over, he's going to come over him. He's got to walk. He's got to go over. He's the gate. And he'll protect his sheep. Um, but you go back all the way into the story, I think, of Abel and Cain. Abel's a shepherd. He brings an offering to God. It's a sheep, a lamb. And his jealous brother will kill him. 
And then later in the story, you got another guy named Joseph. And you just got his 11 brothers, right? Or his brothers, and they will end up being jealous of him and killing him. They're all shepherds. But here you got Jesus, and he's telling the supposed shepherds of Israel, I'm going to lay down my life. And he says it over and over and over again. And he's talking to the very brothers that are going to betray him. The story is going to be repeated. And he said, just want you to know, I'm, nobody's snatching it from me. I'm doing this out of my own free will. I'm laying it down. Why? Because he loves us. He's coming to gather his sheep to invite us in, to call us in. This is who Jesus is. He is the good shepherd. The Jews who heard these words, again, they're divided, right? A bunch of them are saying he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, wait a second. There are, these aren't sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon, uh, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? We have to deal with that fact. That happened. How can a good thing come from, come from an evil source? And, and they're like, there's this wrestling about who Jesus is. But Jesus claims to be the good shepherd. A few things about the good shepherd, right? He's good. He goes before his sheep. This is amazing. He came, lived among us. He died. He rose from the dead. He is alive. So the victory over sin and death has already happened. And he invites us to walk with him, to be in his presence so that we can conquer sin. So we can walk in his pastures. Um, he knows them by name. And lastly, he lays down his life for them. This is the good shepherd. This is Jesus. And the question and something we need to think about is, what about his sheep? What does it say about the sheep, right? And so he goes on in a couple of things. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, verse 14. But this idea, the sheep, Jesus, his sheep recognize his voice. A few years ago, I had a conversation with a man named Mariano. And uh, um, he had just come to Christ. Maybe he was two years into following Jesus with his life. And... He was wrestling with something at home, uh, something with family, and it was really difficult. And I, were, I called them. We were talking. I'd visit him a few times. We were trying to wrestle through the situation together and just praying, and it was hard. Um, but as, as this new baby Christian is following Jesus, uh, he, he responded with, I remember saying, this is so hard, and yet he said, you know, but this is so much better than what I had before. And I know God's ways are good and I can trust him. And, and we're just pondering on that. And then he turns and he asks me, how long have you known this? How long have you known Jesus? <laughs> and I said, well, I came to Christ when I was six years old. And he was just like, just, whoa. So you don't even know, do you? You don't even know what it's like. To live in this dry and godless land, just searching. You know, and I said, by God's grace, I honestly, I don't know it the way you do. 
I am so grateful that I came to Christ when I was six. My parents are missionaries. They love the Lord. You know, I came to, when I was nine, I got baptized. When I was 13, I was involved in ministry already. And then I came to the U.S. And I remember coming to the U.S. And uh, um, we didn't have a home church like we had back, back in Paraguay. And I started to get disconnected from community. And I just started to get really involved in sports and other things. And so I stopped spending time with the shepherd. And then the transition came from high school to college. And I did make the choice to go to a Bible college. Not that that would matter that much. But I, I went to a Bible. But, but I had all these questions. And one of them was really pretty big. Because I had been kind of depending on my parents' faith in, in a way. Like I was living under that umbrella. And now I'm on my own, and I started thinking, what if, what if my parents are good people? Uh, they're honest people, I know that, but what if they're just honestly wrong? What if they just happen to have this God thing wrong? And so I started questioning, is God, maybe the Muslims have it right. Maybe the Buddhists, Hindus, I don't, let me, let me check. What if there is no God? And as I started having all these questions, the next thing that came down the line was, well, if there wasn't any God, then morality, moral choices wouldn't matter so much. And in that time, I started dating a girl, and our relationship went from friendship to really close, but our closeness became, was based on physical intimacy, and it was not healthy. I... We would uh, spend time together, and, and I'd, we, I'd walk away from spending time with her, and, and I would feel dirty and empty and joyless, guilty, dry. And there came a point where someone gave me a Bible, and that Bible, they wrote this little note, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And... Uh, I decided before I prayed, before I read it, I prayed, I said, God, if you're there, please show me. I need to know. I need to know that this thing actually holds water, like it's real. So I read it, and I read it as a skeptic. Like I started marking question marks, like I found a mistake in the Bible, started looking for errors, and, and I started reading, but I, I really wanted to know where God was. And as I hit the New Testament and started going through Matthew, I, I was struck by Jesus just the entire Old Testament, all of our history has been waiting for this Jesus. And what he comes to offer is so good. And there's nothing out there that can measure up to what Jesus has to offer. What he offers is real life. It's real life no matter what circumstance you're in. It's a guaranteed hope. Nothing can shake it. The worst thing that can happen is I can be in eternity with him. That does not sound bad. Um, this is Jesus. And as I think about this Jesus, the sheep recognize his voice. It takes time to, to say, listen, I want to listen to your voice. And there came a point in my, time, my life where I was like, Jesus, I, I, I want you. I need you and I want to follow you with the rest of my life. I'm all in. And yeah, it's not been perfect. But I get to walk with Jesus. He guides my life. And he's been the shepherd of my life. He's been the shepherd 
even in, in the midst of this congregation, when I walk with people from Comunidad or others, he's, he's shepherds, and there's so many stories I could tell you of what he is doing, and it's definitely not me. <laughs> it's Jesus. It's the power of his presence. But are we, do we recognize his voice? Because there are those internal voices that we struggle with, and then there are outside voices that come, and sometimes they just tear you apart. And will we trust him in the middle of those? Think of another story. Um, last Sunday after Comunidad, after the third service, um, my uh, kids and I, uh, Essie, Joel, Sammy, and Shiloh, we got in the car, and Essie said, so are we going? Um, because on Friday afternoon, we had decided we would go visit John and Fran to Zellum. And uh, it was the end of the service. We get in the car, and Essie's like, so are we going to go? And so I called John, and he said, well, yeah, I'm two minutes away. Uh, you know, I live just down the street from the church, so come on over. So we went over there, brought a guitar. Uh, we sat in his living room with John, and Fran came out, and we just sang some songs and talked about life. And it was very real. John started talking to my kids about the serpent in the wilderness, and they were like, yeah, we know that story. And he's like, yeah, I can't teach you guys anything. It was just kind of funny. Uh, but it was so good. It was so good. And at one point in the conversation, Fran said, uh, she said this, when it came to the cancer and the difficulty, um, I, I don't ask why anymore. Because they have cancer, third stage, they're basically dying together. And she said, I don't ask why anymore. I'm just learning to trust just to trust Jesus and enjoy the good moments. And that moment, I've got an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old listening to this conversation. Their whole life is ahead of them. And these people are at the very end. And they get to get a picture of what it's like and have conversations. And then towards the end, it was really difficult, but it was so rich and so full of life. That moment was priceless. It was so good. And that's who, that's who God is. In the midst of our difficulties, he comes and he, he pursues us. He loves us. And he's basically asking, you know, do, he's, he's asking us, will we trust him? But the question is, do we want what is good? Do we truly want, do we, are we willing to trust him and, and let him decide what goes into our life and what goes out of our life? Where we walk with him? And it's a, for me, it's a daily thing. And if I forget in the morning to say, Lord, hey, I, I want to walk with you today, that day is going to be hard. Yeah. But if I get up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to walk with you today, guide me, help me, that day is probably going to go a lot better. Just, just by walking with them. Do we want what is good? And a lot of times we just get confused. Like what is good? But the second thing is will we trust him? Will we trust Jesus? I'd like to invite the uh, worship team back up here. Um, this idea of walking with a, with a shepherd. Again, it's just this idea we go back to the pen. When we walk in through the door, we're walking into a community of other sheep. <laughs> and when we look around this room, this time we have together, it's rich. It's good. We get to worship the King of Kings, a creator of all good things. 
But we also get to be together in family. And all of us have stories that we could share and, and just be together. And, and as we continue to worship, um, I would like us to just take a moment and where you are and just, just pray. Thank God for this moment. Thank God for his goodness. And we'll keep, we'll keep worshiping him. We lift our eyes to you, exalted one, right? Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says this. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every, everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him, Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And before we head out and do that, I'd like to invite you guys to uh, join me. And uh, could we as a church pray for John and Fran? Yeah, could we pray pray for healing? We can ask God to heal. But also pray that God would give them strength and uh, just that they would be able to trust him through whatever God would allow in their lives. So I'd like to invite you to take a second where you are and just individually just go ahead and pray. Dear Father, I'm so thankful and grateful for John and Fran, for their lives, how they live it for you, and grateful for the things you've allowed in their life. But Lord, I just ask that you would heal their bodies. I ask this, um, but I ask this, and we ask this trusting that you know what's best. And so, Father, knowing you're the doctor and that you can do anything, we, we ask. But I pray, Lord, that no matter what, that they would continue to trust and experience joy in the fullness of life that you offer through this. So, Father, thank you for them. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being our good shepherd. Lead us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we pray for each other and uh, when we listen to each other. We're mirroring the shepherd. So go and have shepherd moments. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for sermon audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.